I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories. Bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. CJ, I think it is really interesting to be either a member of the Calgary Flames right now or a fan of the Calgary Flames right now. So about two weeks ago, I want to say, there was the Flames-Panthers game in Sunrise where they play against Matthew Kachuk for the very first time. This past Tuesday, the Flames host Matthew Kachuk as Matthew Kachuk returns to Calgary for the very first time. On the morning of Thursday, which is today, uh, we are hours away from Sean Monaghan returning to Calgary as a member of the Montreal Canadiens. His first time back in Calgary. Next Thursday, Johnny Gaudreau is going to host the Calgary Flames uh, in Columbus. Can you think of any other time uh, being around the game of hockey where you've you've seen a team have to go through all these little hello and goodbyes with so many notable players, not just over the course of a season, but over the course of like two, three weeks? No. I mean, there just haven't been – there haven't been many teams that have – for one reason or another, traded or, or lost so many significant players probably in one offseason, uh, at least not guys still in the primes of their career like Matthew Kachuk and, and Johnny Goodrow, you know, Sean Monahan's a version of himself with some of the injuries he's had. But but still, I mean, we're, we're still talking about the kind of the trio the team was built around the last six, seven years before this one. And, and obviously – Kachuk and, and Goodrow in particular had tons of success last year, over 100 point seasons, and then went to another off, another team. I, I don't think that's ever happened. So then to have them all, you know, swing through Calgary or, or go visit them on the road within a week or two is it's pretty wild. I'm sure to some degree the other players that aren't central to these storylines are probably going to get a little tired of it. It's maybe the questions. Uh, I'm not sure how Daryl Sutter will hold up through whatever. Uh, whatever you guys are lobbing at him there, but uh, no, I, I can't really think of anything equivalent to that. And the amazing thing is Julian, the schedule is completed before free agency or the trades even happen. So this isn't even, it's not as though the schedule maker just had sort of a sixth sense of humor and found a way to bring this all together. It's just the, uh, just a cosmic coincidence. I will give Daryl Sander this. He gave uh, some pretty great quotes about Sean Monahan when asked about it on Wednesday. In fact, this week, I think just in all the pressures he's been, it's been, he's given us a little bit more than he would normally give. 
So I will uh not it's not my stick tap for this week, but I will I will I will, you know, a little mini tap for Daryl well, Sutter. Question for you, because you're you're on the ground yeah. there. I mean, what do you sense the vibe is with the fans? Like are they tired of it or is it like emotional or like what what was it like, especially with Kachuk back in the building earlier in the week? It was so weird. Like, I don't know. I'm used to if a guy is gonna get booed. And fans don't like him. He's going to get booed mercilessly. Matthew Kachuk, I feel with him, it's very split. Like, he's one of those polarizing guys where people obviously didn't like the fact that he asked to, well, he said he wasn't going to sign long term, and then it led to the trade. And then there's the other side of people who were like, well, no, he was such a good player in this organization. Like, you shouldn't boo him. He was great. And I felt that was reflected in the way the crowd reacted to him. Like there were moments he he would touch the puck, even if it was for like a second or two. And it was almost as if the crowd just didn't notice and there wouldn't be any booze. But this is also the same market that if like Milan Lucic is skating up the wing, chasing a guy, and he's like a couple yards away from the puck, you're already going to hear people go, like the Fl- like Flames fans are knowledgeable. They, they, they know when a guy's on the ice and, and all that. So to see them kind of react that way with Kachuk, where there was a little bit maybe stilted, like I was a bit surprised. I, I think it's a mixture of just fans wanting to move on, maybe some indifference, and fine, maybe there were people who wanted to boo, and there was a half-hearted chant for Jonathan Huberto being better, but like I don't know if they have any disdain for them like that. Some people were one – I was also asking people like, is it going to be worse when Johnny Gaudreau comes back? Because like – he left as a free agent and there was no return there. It seems like Sean Monahan's going to get the best reception of anyone because there's not as much animosity or at all, especially by comparison to those two other guys. Well, he was traded for cap reasons, right? I mean, it wasn't, he didn't yep. ask out or, you know, I, I know he welcomed the move, but was it wasn't a, he didn't have a say in the matter, right? I think, Look, I, I I don't begrudge fans. I always say if you pay for your ticket, you can feel how you feel. And, and if you invest your time and money into an organization, like that's it's totally your prerogative. I could see Johnny Goodrow getting a harsher reaction uh, just because, you know, his negotiation went pretty much to the, the 11th hour, didn't leave the team with a lot of options to, to pivot. Uh, that's totally his right in the CBA. Like as a, as a journalist, I'm not criticizing him for that, but I could see as a fan where that one might, you know, be a little different. Whereas at least Kachuk gave, you know, Brad tree living the heads up. He gave him a chance to, to work a trade market. There were other teams that were willing to, to deal for him. You know, I, I still think it's a good trade. I know that we're early in the season and the flames aren't probably ticking at, at the sort of the level they'd want to be yet. It hasn't all fallen into place, but, but I still think, that trade is going to age pretty well uh, for Calgary, so it's it's hard to really view him as a villain. He, he you know he he did it in as classy a way as you can do it when you're when you're going through a breakup. So um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Monahan it should be eleven though. I mean, this guy gave his all for the organization, and just unfortunately injuries slowed him down and, and didn't allow him to to you know produce at the same level. The fun the the interesting thing is that you're right. Sean Monahan was dealt away as a salary cap dump for the Flames to be able to sign Nazem Kadri. And if you put those two players and their stats together, Monaghan is only one point behind Nazem Kadri in stats. Ooh, that's a good piece of trivia. I didn't I didn't realize it was that close. I didn't realize it was that close either until I saw a graphic that uh, RDS uh, put together on Instagram. 
and they put their stats side by side. And I was like, oh, wow, Sean Monahan's actually having like a good. I mean, I knew he was having like a good year, but I didn't realize that it was like toe to toe with what Nazem Kadri's had, who he's had. He had himself a really good start and he's since cooled off in the last few weeks. Well, let's be real. I mean, you give Kadri that contract producing as part of it offensively, but you're bringing him in for a lot more than what you find under the GA and P columns on your traditional stats page. I mean, I think that especially come playoff time or when the games maybe down the stretch ratchet up a little bit in emotion, I think you're, you're trying to change the culture of your team a little bit with him. I think that that's, that's part of it. And so it's, it's, we, we won't measure one versus, I mean, it's, it's actually interesting to do so that they're so close in points, but I, I still think it's, we need to see more to to decide if that was the right move for Calgary. Cause you know, the one thing with this core, those guys all had massive years and were part of it, but they, they never really got much done in the playoffs. Right. And so this, this remaking of the team was kind of brought on by Goudreau's decision to leave, but it's all about getting it done in April. And we're, we're still a long way from April. Absolutely. And I still think that this team will be a playoff team when it's all said and done. And, they still have what it takes to at least win a round or two. Something else that needs to be accounted for, too, like they played a lot of home games in the first month and the road games that they've seen so far, a lot of East Coast trips, a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference. They haven't had like a big like California trip yet or 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 a Pacific Division road trip or anything like that. I don't know. I think like their schedule, there's a possibility that it lightens up a little bit as the season goes on. And as those players start to click, we could be in for, for a flames team that kind of surges in the, uh, in the early part of the new calendar year. Maybe that's, that's just my gut feeling. Well, I mean, the Pacific division feels like a bit of a toss up, right? I mean, Vegas, I'm I'm confident is good. They're at the top. They've had an amazing start that that doesn't surprise me, but then Seattle being right up there, LA is going through some stuff, you know, Edmonton and Calgary, both kind of hanging around the wild card area, you know, that, that, that'll be, I think that'll be one of the hot playoff races as things go down because there's, there's just, if Seattle is for real and I, you know, I know we just are off our contenders, pretenders discussion, um, then, then that really creates a problem for one or both of Calgary and Edmonton. And so that, that'll be something to watch as we get a little deeper in the season and, and get a, a true sense of the, the playoff sort of ramifications. My friend Solomon Baldry from TSN seems to believe that instead of a Battle of Alberta playoff series, we are likely going to have a Battle of Alberta for a playoff spot. That'd be nice. I mean, I'd rather see the series just because I think having the games one after another, and even though it was five games last year, I still thought it was tremendously entertaining. Um, And and so to have it back-to-back years with some new characters would be nice, but, you know, whatever it will be. I, I actually think this season's been awesome. Seriously, like I, I think this has been there's been like so many surprises in the NHL, so many unexpected sort of turns and starts. And, um, you know, so I'm I'm whatever, whatever is going to be written, I'm here for because this isn't the script I would have guessed for a lot of teams in a lot of situations. But it's it's been pretty, pretty damn fun. I think it's been fun, too. And uh, in both of our cases, there is very much a lot of writing to be done when it comes to NHL content. Uh, I think we've kept David Bastel waiting enough. We will bring him in uh, for sports interaction. Uh, As always, it's for those 19 and over. We ask that you please play responsibly. And uh, there will be a link to responsible gaming strategies in the description of this show. It's time for You Can Bet That. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. 
From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Some tough news uh, coming out of the NHL yesterday with regards to uh, Pittsburgh Penguins defenseman Chris Letang. For the second time in his playing career, uh, he suffers a stroke. He is out indefinitely, uh, but is believed that uh, the what he suffered, unfortunately, uh, at least isn't career threatening. But still, it's a a stroke. It's it's not the first time that he's endured this. Uh, what are your thoughts on 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 what's going on there, and 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 the fact that he still feels optimistic that he could play again? But I don't know about you, but like I I wouldn't. But I'm not Chris Letang, obviously. Right. Well, I understand the discussion, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's it, it's a decision for him and his body and his his family, his his doctors, the team. Um, you know, I, I with with so little information on the outside, you just go, yeah, why why would you play again? You've made you know seventy plus million dollars and won three Stanley Cups, and you know you have guaranteed money coming to you. I mean, so you know, basically, your family's set up. You've had a great career to this point, but. That's not the way he's wired, right? He's he's a competitor. I mean, some people might have told him in January 2014 when he had the stroke and missed two months of that season that that maybe he should have stopped there. And and if he stopped there, he'd be he wouldn't have he would have missed 600 or so games plus the last two of the three Penguin Stanley Cups during his time with the team. So, um, you know, athletes to get to this level to be as great as Chris Letang has been, and I and I do think he's he's someone that will be having an at the Hockey Hall of Fame one day for an induction weekend um you have to you have to push so you know it's not really for me to say whether you should play but i I can understand why people would would second guess it i mean this is it's a scary thing to hear that i mean the fact he ever had one but but you know when i saw that that news release come down on wednesday afternoon it's just like whoa like you know we're, we're accustomed to athletes having injuries and physical ailments that that are normal core stuff from from the the sport but Something like this is a little shocking. I think it's it sounds like it's good news that Chris flagged the 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 symptoms he was having pretty early and with the Penguins doctors and he got to the you know the hospital on his own. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't as though he collapsed somewhere or anything like that. You know, and the fact he's already back in the team's dressing room Tuesday night to to see his teammates and tell them about it um says something too. So it's a it's a tough situation. It's not what we're used to. And you know, it sounds like there's no timeline to be clear on his return. Like he's, it's of his mind. He wants to return, but he'll go through a battery of tests. And I think everyone will be cautious because they understand what's at stake. I mean, we, it's the human life. It's not about, you know, can he get the extra 30 plus games, get to a thousand or any of those, you know, sort of milestones. Yeah. And especially in his case, the fact that he has already had such an accomplished career. I mean, especially if you're on that outside looking in, 
it's a lot easier to say like, well, why play again? You know, or why would you go through something like this? Or why not take a job with the Pittsburgh Penguins front office if it was offered to you? Which I'm pretty sure if that were to happen, I'm, I'm sure it could get to that point with Chris Letang. Sure, but I mean, a lot of athletes struggle this with in retirement in general, whether it's forced by health or otherwise, is the why. Like what gets you out of bed and what keeps you going? Where, where does your routine come from? You know, what gives you purpose? I mean, I think being a professional hockey player gives them purpose. And so, you know, I guess when you look at it this way, because I, I do really think it won't be rushed, like no, no flash. No, I don't think he'll be put in any dangerous position more than, than anyone else. You know, the fact is mindset is that he wants to get back. You know, I, I don't think that's <clears throat> in itself unhealthy because, you know, this, this, this will help him in his recovery, right? This will help give him focus through this time. Um, you know, while they're figuring out the exact nature of what's going on and, and um, you know, all those types of things. So I don't think it's bad for him to have it in his mind to want to play. I just, you know, I think ultimately they'll be smart about it. But, I mean, they they say this one was not as bad as the first one, and he had a long stretch after the first one. So um, I'm no doctor. It, it's scary, though. That, that, that much, it's just scary to hear anyone go through that at his age, especially someone in – top physical condition uh, the way he is 100 percent uh i just hope that uh, the recovery for him uh, goes well and hopefully uh he and his family are okay that's as best as we could put it for for chris letang a hall of fame high talented defenseman who among the best i've seen uh for as long as i've been watching hockey as far as i'm concerned um the next topic i want to get to speaking of pacific division teams as we were alluding to earlier the Los Angeles Kings, they had themselves a very interesting last few days in uh, an, an overtime game going 9-8 against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, 17 goals is insane enough. And uh, after that, whether it's for that reason or not, still just notable to notice uh, because uh, the LA Kings decided to move on, or at least wave, Cal Peterson. As of this recording, uh, still on waivers and we'll know later in the day. Uh, whether or not he gets sent down to uh, Ontario in the AHL or if he gets claimed. Uh, this is a guy who just signed a contract, right? This is a guy on a new deal with the Los Angeles Kings, and he's on waivers, even though his stats are 5-3-2, a safe percentage below 900, and a 3.75 GAA. I still think it's a bit fast uh, for the Los Angeles Kings to move on from a guy that uh, is in the first few weeks of a new deal. He's in the first few weeks of a new deal, but it's a deal he signed in September 2021. It's a year of extension. And, you know, last season didn't go great for him. He was injured this year during training camp, uh, had a couple spotty outings in preseason. And, you know, he's made nine starts this year, three of which have been deemed sort of quality starts. So it's been headed in the wrong direction for Cal Peterson for quite some time. I think the crescendo was was that crazy game with Seattle. Just some of the he came in in relief, and some of the body language just looked like a guy who was really struggling to find it. And this is a wake up call. You know, there's, there's no way around it. You, you sign, you know, you, you've come up through the American Hockey League as Cal Peterson did. He was a top goalie in the AHL. Um, you know, was sort of steadily climbing towards the NHL. You sign a three year, fifteen million dollar contract. I mean, I think it's natural to think you've made it, right? You think your days, at least in the near future, of riding the buses and those types of things are are over. And, you know, 
I, I'm not saying in his case that that something set in where he hasn't been motivated, but but he's he's you know he's now faced this is a wake up call. I mean, how else would you, you view that in his shoes? Because I, I will be surprised if he's claimed uh, this might not age well, but you know his <laughs> contract is back loaded and includes a, a four million dollar signing bonus next season. So there's there's, there's the money part would, would have to be a factor for any team claiming him. But that being said, maybe a team with some cap room. Uh, might say, hey, it's, this is worth a flyer because we've seen what this this player can be. Um, anyway, I, I, I do think he'll pass for waivers uh, on, on Thursday afternoon. And the plan for the Kings is to send him to Ontario to give him starts in the AHL and to basically rehab his game. Um, goaltending is a crazy position. I know we talk about it a lot. I mean, I will not bet against him getting back to a, a level where he can be a useful goaltender. But the Kings can't afford at this point in time to be that patient. I mean. They're actually dead last in team save percentage this season. It's quite amazing that despite that, they still hold down a playoff spot. Uh, but it's a pretty narrow margin when you look at the teams behind them with with games in hand and the like. So, um, you know, this is this this will be felt in the dressing room. I'm sure by I'm sure Cal Peterson's teammates were surprised by it. Obviously, a big moment for him and um, a chance for the organization to reset and goal because they got Jonathan Quick as a you know, pending UFA too. And, and, you know, at, the, at a stage of his career where I'm not sure he's a true number one and can handle a load. So um, Cal Peterson was meant to be sort of his, his replacement in that, that regard. And it just hasn't happened as everyone designed it when he, when he signed that contract. Did you see that tweet uh, that got tweeted at our, our good buddy, Steve Dangle uh, from 265 kilometers. I'll just read it here. Over the 2017, 18 season, the Los Angeles Kings had Jonathan quick, Darcy Kemper, Scott Wedgwood, acquired for Kemper, Jack Campbell, and Cal Peterson in the organization. They couldn't let go of Jonathan Quick's monstrous contract and slapped one on Peterson as soon as he was eligible. Oof. Yeah. I mean, goaltending's voodoo, man. Isn't that the old saying? I mean, yeah. It, the interesting thing with Cal Peterson, though, right? They gave him this extension when he had played 54 games, I believe it was, in the NHL. And so, obviously, they were projecting him to take another step and to be ready to for more. Um, but there was calculated risk in that contract. I mean, I suppose the risk was if they let him play out last season and he was great, that then you're looking at maybe something like Jack Campbell got to Edmonton, which was five years at $5 million. And, and it's funny because when last season when Jack was in Toronto, a lot of the discussion was, well, Cal Peterson got $5 million, Linus Olmark got $5 million. You know, this is kind of, you know, Elvis Merzlikens was a little bit above five, but this this is now the mark for, you know, what you got to pay someone that, that that can at least be a 50-50 starter. Um, you know, it's, there, there's potholes everywhere. Meanwhile, at the same time we're recording this, you know, Ilya Samsonov and, and Matt Murray are like two of the top six, eight percentage goaltenders in the NHL, and everyone spent tons of time roasting the Maple Leafs over their goaltending decisions. And look, I realize it's a really we're, we're 25 games in like the, it could go the other way. I'm not I'm not saying that the, the book is closed on that debate, but I, I just think it's a reminder that this is a crazy league. I mean, even even Seattle, right? Martin Jones has, has played the, the bulk of their games and, and they're having this great season. I mean, Martin Jones, I think he had three or four straight years under 900 save percentage. Like it looked like like his career was was probably completely on the ropes and, and he's having a bit of a renaissance. And somewhere in this all, Craig Anderson at 41 years old is playing games for the Buffalo Sabres. So uh, all this to say, goaltending is a really tough position right now. I think a lot of teams don't feel totally comfortable with where they're at there. And um, the Kings are one of them that will be in the market, I would suspect, uh, for some more goaltending help. 
Uh, by the way, Martin Jones, 12-4 in two record, uh, but was at a save percent with a save percentage of 893 and a GAA of 290. Still, though, uh 12-4-2, uh, still pretty good as a start for for Martin Jones. Well, and he was in for all eight goals in that Kings game. So I'm sure I, I didn't look at a save percentage before that, but I'm sure that took a hit that day because that was not a good night for the goalie stats. All the players get their goals and their apples and everything and look great, but the, the goalies took it on the chin that night. Yep. Uh, I'll leave with this. If you're a goaltender, tend the goal. CJ, I understand that uh, you paid attention to the uh, the Tempe City Council meeting that happened earlier this week. It was like a four-hour meeting or something? Like, that was nuts. Yeah, and here's the thing. So I started, because, you know, this is an interesting, the, the, the Arizona Coyote saga has basically spanned my entire career as a hockey writer, right? So, it has. So, you know, I've, I've been down there. I covered the court case back in the day when Jim Balsillie was, was trying to move the team. Um and, and got a bunch of us Canadian sports writers about five trips to Arizona in, in a short period of time, which was appreciated. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it's it's kind of called a pet project. Anyway, so I started watching this this council meeting in Tempe where they were to vote on, on the arena deal. And, and I figured maybe an hour, whatever. I actually I was doing a, a treadmill run that day and I, I start it started at 6 p.m. my time. I was, I was running on the treadmill, like, listening to the start of it. Then, you know, go and start making some dinner, eat dinner. It's still going. Got some games on in the background. Like, this thing took me nearly till bedtime. Oh, my uh, God. But by the time it, it ended up being over. Uh, it's, but, you know, once you've invested a certain amount, like, like you're not going to pull out. And, and honestly, a lot of it was interesting. You know, you had Gary Bettman, uh, Bill Armstrong, the GM of the Coyotes. You had Alex Morello, who owns the team. Uh, Javier Gutierrez, their, their president, like they all had to speak at various points in time. You know, Gary Bettman dropped a few little nuggets of things that at least I didn't know um, about the team's intention. And and finally, at the end, uh, there was three separate votes to do with the arena deal. They all finished seven nothing in favor uh, of the the Coyotes, with the the mayor, the the deputy mayor, and, and the councilors supporting going ahead with with these arena and entertainment district plans. And, you know, the final vote now goes to the, the citizens of Tempe. There's a referendum they'll have that starts in April and ends May 16th. So uh, it was it, it was a journey. There was some funny moments, too, like where random citizens just came up and either railed against it or supported it. Um, there was a guy in Coyotes gear who, who yeah. talked. About, I put a, I put a still photo. I snapped of it. out, But he, he talked about his he was living in Tempe and he was a Coyotes fan. So he moved to Glendale. And just only to find out they're moving back to Tempe, and and that got, that, that got everyone. It was a light moment in an otherwise long meeting. Um, no, the, poor guy. Yeah, actually, he was in my mentions, so uh, it's it's a legit fan because someone said this is a paid actor, but the guy's you know I don't, I don't know him, but he's claims to be a real fan. And and anyway, it's it's look, it is it's a huge step if we're talking about the future of the team because this is meant to be a, a privately funded. Initiative, $2.1 billion. It's, it's a huge entertainment complex. If, if you've ever been to games, say, in L.A. or places like that, it's, it's similar to what you have going on around what's now called Crypto.com Arena, formerly Staples Center, uh, with, with you know, boutique hotels where presumably visiting teams will stay and, and nice, you know, hotels for fans to stay when they come, restaurants. I think there's a concert venue. There's a practice rink for the Coyotes all in this contained area. And, and the key for Tempe is that 
the, the, the area where it's being built is actually a landfill right now. And I think it's going to cost somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 to $80 million just to clean it up where it could be used for land. And wow. if, if you think about if you had that in your city, I mean, who's paying that much money to develop, to then develop on that land? Uh, it's, it's probably going to have to be something like this where, you know, obviously there could be a huge payoff for the coyotes over time. And so we'll, we'll see where, we'll see where they go, but this, this was a big step because if, if that was voted down, I don't know, we'd probably be back on this pod talking about the future of the coyotes, you know, are they moving? How does that work? Um, but instead, you know, this, this does seem like a pretty good indication. Uh, they'll stay, uh, they'll, they'll be staying in the desert for, for the long-term future. And so that was one thing I should mention, Julian. Gary Bettman said that as part of this, if if this gets approved and goes ahead, the, the owners of the team will sign a 30-year non-relocation agreement with the city of Tempe. And so, you know, presuming this this happens, uh, takes four or five years or whatever it does to build the arena and, and everything around it, you know, then you got 30 years beyond that, that, that the Coyotes would be locked in with the city of Tempe. So um, this is a, it was a huge step forward for an organization that's been looking for some security for a long time. So you're telling me we're in the final months of potentially of all of those uh, Arizona Coyotes moving jokes people like to make. Yeah, it it seems to me that way. I mean, look, I can't say how the citizens of Tempe are going to vote. I I don't know one person personally who lives in that city, but it you know based on the tenor of the council meeting, um, where there I think there was 39 different people spoke, and and a lot of them were just with average citizens in that in that city that had an opinion that they wanted to share. There was a tremendous amount of support for the project, including from like the former mayor, like a lot of what I would guess, again, from afar, influential people came, you know, came up and spoke in favor of it. And as I say, if you live there, this is a privately funded, um, it's actually, we won't get into it because it might not translate well to a pod, but they've come up with a unique way to make the finances of this work. And, and it does involve not having the citizens be on the hook for building the arena or anything like that. And in fact, if they build it and no one comes, if, if, if there's not a lot of sales or, or it doesn't generate the interest, I mean, the coyotes are still on the hook. And basically, there's there's a function where the taxes go up for anything that's sold in that area to, to basically accommodate for any losses. So um, it's a pretty safe bet. It looked like I mean, there's no there's no certainties in life, uh, but it looked like a pretty safe bet for the citizens of Tempe. And so I would think for that reason, it's going ahead, which does mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of jokes and memes and you know, coyotes to Quebec City or Houston talk, you know, goes by the wayside. And I guess people will start fixating on another problem city. I don't I don't know where that is right now. We actually don't have a lot of it in the NHL compared to where it's been at earlier points in my career. Yeah, I mean the Panthers, I mean, fans will show up to those games. Uh that once upon a time they were looked at as that as that team. Yeah, I can't think of any other team that's really nope. And Ottawa would have been one, right? But it seems like there's yep. real genuine interest there. Uh, from a lot of different people with with deep pockets to own the team and and you know and also as part of that sale is getting the arena built at LeBreton Flats, a downtown piece of land. And so if if a new owner comes in with deep pockets and they're building a new arena downtown Ottawa, I mean I don't think we'll be talking about the senators moving anytime soon. And so this is maybe moving into a unique period in time where where there's not really those rumors happening anywhere. Um, and you know it's funny someone whispered in my ear like that they think there'll be more expansion in the not too distant future for the NHL, just because, I mean, the expansion fees the league takes, they get split entirely among the owners, right? Uh, you know, the, the one-time fee that, that Vegas paid, 
and, and that Seattle paid, you know, just gets spread around the existing owners. It's not shared with the players. And so it's money considered outside of HRR, essentially. And someone had predicted to me during the pandemic that, you know, these owners obviously took on a lot of water during the pandemic when they couldn't sell tickets to their buildings and all those those sorts of things. And that future expansion would be one way to recoup some of those losses. So that'll be something I'm not saying that's on, on the immediate horizon, but, you know, maybe in a year or two's time, we're talking about expanding the league beyond 32. Not to mention those expansion fees like Seattle paid more than what Vegas ended up having to pay. Like, those fees will go up. Well, it was five hundred million for Vegas. I think it was six hundred and fifty million for yep. Seattle, which was in a pretty short amount of time that it went up one hundred and fifty million. And let's see what the the senators sell for too. I mean, I think that that gives an indication, at least publicly, about where where the prices are at. I mean, you're right that the next fee might be more, which you know probably takes some of the smaller cities out of the mix, right? I, I think you know if you're getting up to those kind of dollars, um, you you might be ruling out some of the smaller places, which I'm kind of winking at some of the Canadian cities because they're they they would be among the, the places with interest in Canada are among the smaller cities unless you're talking about a second team in Toronto, which the NHL's never seemed in favor of uh, at all. Why? Well there's some thought that there's there's the Leafs have a territorial right to some degree that they would have to be compensated. I think I think there was a precedent way back when when the Anaheim Ducks came in as a free agent to or sorry as an expansion team that they, they paid a fee to the LA Kings because they essentially were encroaching on their, their territory and their fan base. Um, and obviously anything you're indemnifying the Leafs with would be a massive number in and of itself. Um, but who knows? Maybe we'll get there. Like if, if to me, I've always thought if you have three teams in the greater New York area, there's, there's no way that just from a financial standpoint, the, the greater Toronto area couldn't support two teams. I mean, a huge percentage of the country of Canada for those listening, not from the part where I live, resides within like 50 kilometers, 100 kilometers of, of downtown Toronto. And so I, I think that there absolutely could be two or three teams here, frankly, but the league has, has not wanted to go there for, for whatever reason. Okay, well, now I'm, I'm glad I asked that question. I learned something. Um, I wanted to also uh, mention from that, uh, that council meeting, uh, an idea was floated around uh, that uh, if uh, this all comes to pass with the arena, uh, maybe the Coyotes should eventually go out and play a game in Mexico, potentially. But what do you think of that idea? I think it's going to happen. Um, you know, I've heard whispers of that already. I, I think it makes sense, right? I mean, the, the Cardinals just played, the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL just played a game in Mexico City. You know, you have the Texas teams, uh, which, which you know, Texas borders Mexico. I'm sure that they would would like to to try to reach new, you know, Dallas Stars would probably like to reach new people and in, in, in that state. And so you have a star uh, with, with Mexican heritage and, and Austin Matthews. I think there's a lot of different ways you could do it. And why not? I mean, you, you, we've had games in China, uh, you know, Finland, Sweden, more traditional hockey countries. There's talk of an exhibition game going to Australia. I think the world's getting smaller there. You, you can draw fans that don't physically live in the cities where you have games now and engage them and, and basically make money off them, have them be part of, the broader culture of the sport. And so I, I think it it just makes too much sense to not find a way to make it happen at some point in time. All right. We'll have to wait and see on that. And with that, it's time for stick taps and cross checks. Uh, CJ, do you want to start? Should I start? I'll go first. You know, we're not going to cross check too much on here. So I'm, 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 I'm in an optimistic, sunny Thursday morning frame of mind. 
And so I'm going to give my stick tap to Mitch Marner of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who, as we're recording this, just extended his point streak to 18 games, tying the franchise record previously held by Daryl Sittler and Ed Olchek. It was a pretty cool moment, Julian, if you, if you saw the end of the game against the San Jose Sharks on Wednesday night. The, the Leafs were, were clearly setting Marner up. It was you know down to the final minute, uh, and he hadn't extended the point streak. Uh, the Sharks' net was empty. And Marner actually passed up a chance to shoot initially at, at the at the empty net uh, to Alex Kerfoot. Kerfoot was pretty ticked off. He said that Marner didn't shoot, but eventually they got the puck around to him and he, he hit the empty net to uh, um, to extend that streak. And and you saw what you saw from his teammates were legitimate signs of joy and excitement. And and you, you know you said something off camera that that kind of I think is is right. So I'm going to co-opt your thought. But during a long season, I think teams need stuff like this to sort of stay engaged. Um, you know, obviously some games are just games that there's no leaf sharks rivalry. Right. But that's, that was something the teammates could play for, for one of their guys to, to get that, you know, it's, it's a bit of a team accomplishment too. I mean, Marner's got a lot of assists during that streak and that's him passing a puck to someone who had to shoot it in the net for him. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a cool moment that the dressing room stuff, the Leafs posted afterwards where they're showering in water and even Matthews on the bench, giving a let's F and go. Like, it was like, it's almost as excited as you ever see Austin Matthews. Right. Uh, for his longtime teammate there, Mitch Marner. So I, th- I thought that was a cool moment. We'll see if he can extend or, and break the, the the Leafs record. And, you know, for anyone who, who maybe says, well, I shouldn't count one into an empty net, here's a little history lesson from Papa CJ. Uh, Wayne Gretzky <laughs> has, has the, the NHL record of 51 games uh, point streak. And one of the more famous moments during that streak was somewhere in the 40s. Uh, he had to, with the game on the line, he had to, and looked like it was going to expire. He, he scored an empty net goal to keep it going. So, you know, there's, there's precedent for this. Obviously 18 is miles away from 51. I don't, I don't think anyone in the modern game will be able to do that. Although maybe Connor McDavid might be capable of it one day. Um, but yeah, cool moment in Toronto and, and good for Mitch Marner. Papa CJ. That's, that's another nickname. New nickname alert. Redick. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't said that in a while on here. No, I also appreciate the history lesson. And uh, I also appreciate uh, my words being co-opted. Uh, I'm also going to draw inspiration from you and, and the positivity uh, that you were uh, looking to show through your stick tap. And uh, in lieu of uh, doing a cross check uh, towards uh, Boston Bruins play-by-play man, Jack Edwards, I will instead flip it on its head and make it a stick tap towards Pat Maroon. Uh, you may be aware of the situation that arose this week when uh, Jack Edwards essentially fat shamed Patrick Maroon. I get that there are people who will make the argument that maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, he would have gotten away with it. We're at a point now where that stuff isn't really that cool to do. Uh, but Patrick Maroon, instead of using his Twitter to be like, you know what, like F you, Jack or whatever, he could have easily done that. He decided to use his platform uh, in a good way, he decided to make a donation to Tampa Bay Thrives, a nonprofit assisting those struggling with mental health and substance use issues. And he did a donation in the name of Jack Edwards, and he encouraged fans uh, to also uh, make a donation as well. That's a way to turn a negative into a positive. So big stick top to uh, the big rig that is Patrick Maroon. Class move. Total class move. Yeah, man. Absolutely class move. We're all about class moves here on the Chris Johnston show. And you know what? Pat Maroon can't even hear Jack Edwards with those three cup rings stuck in his ears. So Hey, I know that's right. I know that's right. That's a good way to end it here for our Thursday edition of the show. Great show, buddy. Great show. 
Yeah, it was fun. We're going to have a good weekend. We're into December, man. Get your Christmas shopping started. I already started my shopping. Have you started yours? I bought one gift, which is I'm ahead of my normal pace. I'm I'm I've been traditionally a December 23rd kind of guy. So I've got I've got one gift coming for Cobra Papa. Man. Okay. But then again, he listens to the podcast. So I guess you can't really say what his gift I is going to say be. what it is. That would be he's he listens to the podcast like before I even know it's out. Yeah. He'll like he like text me great episode. I won't even have seen it get tweeted out. Like somehow he just <laughs> I don't know if producer Nick just sends it straight to his inbox or what, but he he's our first listen most most shows. He might also be a subscriber to your newsletter. Oh, he is. Don't worry about that. Oh, yeah. I, I hope he is. By the way, subscribe to uh, CJ's newsletter. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the SDPN YouTube page, uh, our Discord as well. Buy stuff from the shop. If you're trying to get a jump on Christmas shopping, there is no better time than now uh, than to visit the SDPN shop and get yourself some Redick merch. This <laughs> picturing people underneath the tree. You someone should do you guys should do that. If you guys get CJ show merch at Christmas, like please tweet us photos of you guys wearing it in front of your Christmas trees. That'd be really funny. That's great. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, that's that's, that's a fun way. If you have CJ whether you bought it a long time ago or you bought it just in time for the holidays, uh, tweet at me, J.K.A. McKenzie, reporter Chris. That's Chris's handle. Uh, your your Christmas photos wearing uh, CJ Show merch. That is a great way to do it for the holidays. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll be back on Monday with a new episode. Peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.